Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Kings chapter 14 from the World English Bible. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. Jeroboam said to his wife, Please get up and disguise yourself so that you won't be recognized as Jeroboam's wife. Go to Shiloh. Behold, Ahijah, the prophet, is there, who said that I would be king over this people. Take with you ten loaves of bread, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him. He will tell you what will become of the child. Jeroboam's wife did so, and arose, and went to Shiloh, and came to Ahijah's house. Now Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were set by reason of his age. Yahweh said to Ahijah, Behold, Jeroboam's wife is coming to inquire of you concerning her son, for he is sick. Tell her such and such, for it will be when she comes in, that she will pretend to be another woman. So when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet as she came in at the door, he said, Come in, Jeroboam's wife. Why do you pretend to be another? For I am sent to you with heavy news. Go tell Jeroboam. Yahweh the God of Israel says, Because I exalted you from among the people and made you prince over my people Israel, and tore the kingdom away from David's house and gave it you. And yet you have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart, to do that only which was right in my eyes, but have done evil above all who were before you, and have gone and made for yourself other gods, molten images, to provoke me to anger, and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring evil on the house of Jeroboam, and will cut off from Jeroboam everyone who urinates on a wall, he who is shut up and he who is left at large in Israel, and will utterly sweep away the house of Jeroboam as a man sweeps away dung until it is all gone. The dogs will eat he who belongs to Jeroboam who dies in the city, and the birds of the sky will eat he who dies in the field, for Yahweh has spoken it. Arise, therefore, and go to your house. When your feet enter into the city, the child will die. All Israel will mourn for him and bury him, for he only of Jeroboam will come to the grave, because in him there is found some good thing toward Yahweh, the God of Israel, in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, Yahweh will raise up a king for himself over Israel, who will cut off the house of Jeroboam. This is the day. What? Even now, for Yahweh will strike Israel as a reed is shaken in the water, and he will root up Israel out of this good land which he gave to their fathers, and will scatter them beyond the river, because they have made their Asherah poles, provoking Yahweh to anger. He will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he has sinned, and with which he has made Israel to sin. Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Tirzah. As she came to the threshold of the house, the child died. 
All Israel buried him and mourned for him according to Yahweh's word, which he spoke by his servant Ahijah the prophet. The rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he fought and how he reigned, behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. The days which Jeroboam reigned were twenty-two years. Then he slept with his fathers, and Nadab, his son, reigned in his place. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was forty-one years old when he began to reign, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which Yahweh had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Naamah the Ammonitess. Judah did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins which they committed, above all that their fathers had done. For they also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every green tree. There were also Sodomites in the land. They did according to all the abominations of the nations which Yahweh drove out before the children of Israel. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem, and he took away the treasures of Yahweh's house and the treasures of the king's house. He even took away all of it, including all the gold shields which Solomon had made. King Rehoboam made shields of bronze in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who kept the door of the king's house. It was so that as often as the king went into Yahweh's house, the guard bore them and brought them back into the guard room. Now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? There was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in David's city. His mother's name was Naamah the Ammonitess. Abijam, his son, reigned in his place. That is the end of chapter 14. Here we see that when Jeroboam is faced with the life or death of his son, then he inquires of a prophet of God. But he doesn't really seem to have faith in God. He doesn't have enough faith to ask for healing or mercy. He's just treating Ahijah kind of like a fortune teller. It is mentioned twice that the son is still a child, but according to verse 13, this son is old enough to have found some favor with Yahweh. He will be spared the horrible deaths of Jeroboam's other male descendants, those who urinate on a wall. And the comparison makes it clear that Jeroboam's other male offspring are also wicked, hence the comparison to dung. So when they're being wiped out, it's not just because their dad was bad. Jeroboam's wife is a very silent, pathetic person character in all of this. She's not described as asking for anything for her son. In verse 9, it talks about the fact that Jeroboam has done moral evil, and then it uses the word evil, where God will bring hardship, adversity, destruction, evil on Jeroboam's family. But again, we might have to keep reminding ourselves that his family was also wicked. We hear the word family, and it can kind of give us warm, fuzzy feelings like don't be mean to their family. You might ask, why does Jeroboam bear the brunt of all of this evil when the rest of Israel is also worshiping the molten images. It seems much like what God told David after his adultery and murder. Now, David was forgiven, but because David had given the rest of the world reason to blaspheme Yahweh, there had to be some other consequences. 
That is talked about in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. Small note, the river mentioned, according to a note in the Bible, is the river Euphrates, not the Jordan River. In Jeroboam's case, unlike King David, he doesn't even ask for forgiveness or repent. However, notice that verse 15 is prophetic about the fate of the northern kingdom. So Yahweh will give them generations to change their ways, but they won't, and they will also suffer because of that. In the death of the child, as Jeroboam's wife crosses the threshold, we have an immediate verification of Ahijah's prophecy from God, just like when the altar splits in the previous chapter gives credence to the prophecy that Josiah will do the other things a few hundred years later. Even though the prophecy is directed at Jeroboam, it is his wife who hears it and experiences it, as in it's her feet crossing the threshold that puts things into action. I wonder, did she think about trying not to go home? Did she believe it would happen? The account is presented like she is more than just a conduit, like she could also have responded in some way, but again, we see nothing. Note the 22 years of Jeroboam's reign, because it will be pertinent at the beginning of chapter 16, where we start a bit of back and forth about how long the kings in the different kingdoms reigned. In verse 21, it mentions that Rehoboam was 41 when he became king and reigned 17 years, so he was about 58 years old. He died a bit younger than Solomon. It mentions his mother twice, but just because it says she was an Ammonitess doesn't mean she was a a foreign wife the way it talks about Solomon's wives. Recall that Ruth was called a Moabitess, and she was definitely someone who followed God. And then um, the description of Solomon taking the many foreign wives was described as being after he married Pharaoh's daughter, which was after Rehoboam was born. Proving that what people let in their hearts is more important than where they live, Judah also predominantly does evil, wicked things. However, it is a general statement because we know from the narrative that there were always at least a few faithful people. In verse 24, a note in the New King James Version Bible on the Blue Letter Bible site says that the Hebrew word here that is translated sodomites in the World English Bible is the Hebrew word Kadesh, meaning one practicing sodomy and prostitution in religious cults. The New King James Version translates it as perverted persons. I went ahead and looked up Asherah poles. I'm going to read to you the Easton's Bible Dictionary entry about them. This was the name of a sensual Canaanitish goddess, Ashtarte, the feminine of the Assyrian Ishtar, Its symbol was the stem of a tree deprived of its boughs and rudely shaped into an image and planted in the ground. Such religious symbols, called groves, are frequently alluded to in scripture. These images were also sometimes made of silver or of carved stone. On the same page, there's a lot more information detail in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, and I will put a link to that on the website. Towards the end of chapter 14, we have the mention of the Egyptian pharaoh Shishak, who raided Judah. He is the same fellow who harbored Jeroboam when he was trying to run away from Solomon. The account in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 1 through 9 has more details, 
pointing out that the attack was allowed by Yahweh due to the unfaithfulness of Judah, but then moderated because they humbled themselves. There's an Answers in Genesis article that I will link to that makes a case that this Shishak Pharaoh is not the same one who was the father of the daughter of Pharaoh that Solomon married. Then sadly, the chapter ends mentioning that Rehoboam and Jeroboam were continually at war with each other. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 